This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. It is Monday. Let's see. I'm going to try to put, not put too fine a point on this, Sandy. Be as gentle as I can or as at least, you know, reasonable as I can. Um, we're on to 2024 with the Denver Broncos season. The rest of this campaign is pointless. They are one and four. The team that they beat essentially handed the game to them on a silver platter. The or team, tried to. The, the, the team that they played that will make the playoffs of, by the way, there's only one of those five, put 70 on them and could have made it 90 if they so chose. And they have lost the other three games at home to the Raiders, the Commanders, and the Jets. The Denver Broncos are going nowhere. And if you thought the last year of Vic Fangio couldn't be made worse by the first year of Nathaniel Hackett, you were wrong. And if you thought that the the one year of Nathaniel Hackett wouldn't be made worse by the first year of Sean Payton, you're wrong again. This is... Well, as a matter of fact, you're wrong. Yes. Because the record is worse this year after five games. Than it and it's even year. more embarrassing. Oh, oh, I'm much more embarrassed. We suck again. Oh, for the days oh, no. in which you're mismanaging the uh, clock at the end of a Seattle game at the opener. Oh, for those days. Uh, now, all of a sudden, the Broncos, who, by the way, we talked about it last week, via expected points added and DVOA, had the worst team defense in history in the last at least 42 years in the NFL well, after DVLA, four weeks. DVOA, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the same after five. They're the worst well, team in 42 seasons uh, of course. after they, five they, they, they as well. They did nothing well. yesterday to improve their standing in really much of any area at all. Uh, the quarterback for the other team uh, through, even though the Jets were behind at halftime, uh, I believe he threw nine passes in the second half. Uh, he is one of the three or four worst starting quarterbacks in the league. Uh, on some days, he may be the worst. Uh, he was seven for nine in the second half for 107 yards. Even Zach Wilson completed 12 yards per pass attempt in the second half against this uh, sorry excuse for a defense. And it's it's time to start naming names. Uh, the Broncos can't trade too many players. I don't think it's possible for them to trade uh, too many players. Um, they are the slowest, most unathletic team in the NFL. And for now... Among the six worst teams in the league, and objectively I am describing the six worst teams in the league as being those that are 1-4 and four or 0-5 oh at the moment. Okay. Anybody with two or more wins doesn't belong in that group because you've got 
Denver and New England in the AFC, Arizona, Carolina, Minnesota, and the Giants all one and four, and in last place in the four NFC divisions. Of those six, the most poorly coached is Denver. The, the team of the six that has had both the easiest schedule and the most disappointment attended to at least their home losses. Although yesterday ended up being a 10-point spread, it was until the fumble returned for a touchdown a one-score game against a team that fumbled the ball four times, against a team that converted all of three third-down opportunities throughout the course of the day. I could go on and on about the shortcomings of the Jets, but you know what? If four fumbles and three third-down conversions had been a little more favorable, um, the Jets would have won the game by 20 points. And that's the Jets we're talking about, Zach Wilson at quarterback. And, uh, you know, I refer to this defense, and I guess the sarcasm doesn't work as well now that they are, in fact, the world's worst defense, as uh, sarcastically the world's greatest defense. We can start talking about the world's greatest play caller, who from all indications during the offseason was supposed to be Sean Payton returning now to the head coaching profession with a reputation very much intact, at least before this season began, as being an expert play caller, and uh, night or day to Hackett's night or day last year, right, as a play caller. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, although play calling was not at a premium, Hackett at least stayed with his running game, even though he was behind. And I understand he has a lousy quarterback, but Denver's quarterback is no great shakes either. And he kept throwing and throwing and throwing, not of his own volition, but because Sean Payton called for 10 runs in the second half after the Broncos had run for 115 yards in the first half, and maybe it was news to Sean Payton, but at halftime, the Jets made one simple defensive adjustment, and again, maybe it's news to Payton or news to people covering the team because I haven't heard it or read it anywhere. It was obvious to me in watching, and I texted with people about this. All the Jets did at halftime was put a spy on Russell Wilson, who was killing the Jets, not so much by throwing it, but by running mm -hmm. it in the first half. And the Broncos in the first half at 115 yards rushing. They finished with 139 yards rushing. Uh, you talk about a team that, I, I don't know what they do at halftime, but if they do anything intelligent, it is not something that any sane person can detect that they're doing at the half. So the world's, greatest play caller got out coached 
outplay called by Nathaniel Hackett, who was certainly the big winner of the day yesterday. Oh, and apparently, according to Peter King of NBC Sports, is now once again in the coaching fraternity, one of the most popular coaches, not because he's such a nice guy, although he seems like a very nice guy, but because another coach who is reviled, Mm -hmm. according to Peter King, in the NFL coaching fraternity, ripped him in a way that no coach I've ever heard of has ever ripped another coach, Um, especially one that preceded him on a particular job. I've just never heard it. I I, I mean, I, I, I remember Paul Westhead on the day he was fired, not, not hired, fired saying, I never understood why they fired Doug Moe in the first place. (laughs) That's what coaches usually say about their predecessors, whether they've done better, worse, or the same. That's what they usually say. And this man's ego and his small man complex is so out of control that he can't even at this point show any class post-game or in his press conference after the game in which the minute he was asked a question that made him uncomfortable, he turned on heel and ran, as did many of the Broncos in the locker room yesterday, including Cortland Sutton, um, for whom the Broncos might, and I say might, be able to get a third-day draft pick. Might be able to get a third-day draft pick. Not a second-day draft pick, which they could have gotten, perhaps, early in the spring when they should have traded him. But all roads lead back to Sean Payton's ego. Sean Payton's ego wouldn't allow him to trade Cortland Sutton unless he was fleecing somebody. And no other team in the league wanted to be fleeced when they were trading for such a mediocre player as Cortland Sutton has proven to be and has basically always been. Especially Very much overrated, even at, his, even at his best. He had one 1,000-yard year, and he hasn't even been an average receiver since. And now here's a guy who this coach, because he's deciding who plays on offense and who doesn't play, this coach sees fit to play Cortland Sutton 86% of the time in yesterday's game. And he had no greater influence on the game than either of the two of us. And probably less because he was a liability, a guy the Jets didn't have to bother covering, even even with Sauce Gardner, although I think the one pass he caught, either they were in zone and Sauce Gardner was the closest defender, or it was man-to-man. It wasn't a big play, I think 12 yards. Right. That was the one pass he caught all day. Now, I don't think Sauce Gardner was on him all day. No. I think Sauce Gardner was on Jerry Judy more often than he was on, in terms of man to man coverage, than he was on Cortland Sutton. Uh, and oh, by the way, apart from 43 yards in uh, receptions that came during the last couple of desperation Bronco drives, Jerry Judy didn't do a thing either. He had seven yards in the game receiving, apart from. So either one or both 
get him out. Uh, I think you might be able to get a second-day pick for Judy. Uh, there's no way you can get that for Sutton at this point. But you got to get rid of Singleton. You got to get rid of Jewel, uh, Simmons, uh, a trade candidate if uh, people think he's healthy. And he didn't look like he could run yesterday. Uh, in fact, the two safeties the Broncos have out there um, wouldn't exactly challenge Usain Bolt 25 years from now <laughs> in a 100-yard sprint. It, it, Kareem Jackson can't run anymore, and he's been primarily responsible for at least two of the three Bronco home defeats with stupid, senseless personal foul calls. One got him ejected, and the other cost him a game directly and obviously against the Raiders. Um, Alex Singleton steps up in the locker room yesterday after the game and said, we choked. Uh, choked? You lost by 10? The Broncos aren't good enough to choke. The Broncos, I don't know, maybe, maybe they choked, maybe they didn't. It's immaterial. The Broncos aren't any good. And because more than one thing can be true, they happen to be very, very, very poorly coached up and down the line. But the fish stinks or rots from the head down. And there is no question who is the head coach and the head of football operations out of Dove Valley at the present time. The problem, of course, with the Broncos goes back years. And then that's part has been, I think, was so frustrating for Broncos fans because it's been uh, more than this coaching staff. It's been multiple coaching staffs. It's even been more than this GM. It's multiple GMs. It's been more than this team president. It's been multiple team presidents. It's been more than this ownership. It's been multiple ownerships. Now, at this point, essentially. And the, the new ownership, I get it. They're new to the game. There's a guy out there who's been lobbying for a, a coaching job. He's won a Super Bowl. You figure that's going to be the answer. But it never occurred to them that no one else was the least bit interested Better in teams Sean that Payton appeared to be closer to the Super Bowl than they were that passed on Sean no Payton. Interest. Why didn't Houston have interest? Why didn't Dallas have interest? Well, I mean, Dallas did make the playoffs last year and did win a playoff. Right. I, I can understand why they didn't go uh, after a replacement for Mike McCarthy, although I, I think this year, uh, uh, judging by what we saw last night, I, I, I think the end is near. But in any case, but if, if, no one else offered him a job. And there were other jobs he could have been offered. Um, it, it was also strange to me. I, I, I don't know what happened in New Orleans. I don't know if there was a power struggle with Loomis because I don't know what is true and what's not. Uh, Loomis has not said Sean Payton is his best friend. Payton has said Loomis is his best yep. friend. Mickey Loomis is his best friend. But I haven't heard that from Loomis. So I don't know if a power struggle went on there or, or not. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But I'll tell you what, you know what the biggest fleecing was? The trade for Sean Payton. Just as much of a fleecing as the trade for Russell Wilson turned out to be. Seattle and New Orleans fleeced the Broncos. Seattle fleeced him on a quarterback, and New Orleans fleeced him on a head coach. The Broncos strength the schedule over its first five games. We pointed out 0-3 against three bad teams at home. Was 28th in the league. 
in the first five games, 28th. And you and I talked about the, the importance of getting off to a fast start in part because of that. The rest of the year, the strength of schedule is first out of 32 teams. They have the hardest remaining schedule in the NFL. It doesn't matter. They can't beat the bad teams either. Who <laughs> they were are they the going Bears. to beat? This team should. They are, they're going to. We may look back and say this team is fortunate to not go 0-17. Who will they beat? They're going to accidentally luck into one or two. I yeah, get I that. imagine. That's I, the I NFL. I mean, they do play New England later on. Yeah, year. New England is. And New England abysmal. might be in worse shape than the Broncos are in. But, you know, that that's. Hell, that's a, a matter of degree, and I, you know we can debate that back and forth. Uh, the owners here only know how to make a splash and hire a big name. That's all they know. And that includes, do. by the way, adding people to their ownership group. Big splashes. Well, yeah. But they don't have any authority. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't think Lewis Hamilton is making any calls no. here. I don't. Nor, I don't think... nor should he be. But uh, you know, the only member of this ownership group that knows a thing about football is Condoleezza Rice, and we've said that. Uh, you know, that's not nothing's going to change. I, I know. Uh, I, I've heard from friends of hers that she has been told that she will be more involved uh, they kind of turned to her to persuade Sean Payton to come back for a second interview after Walton and Penner had blown the first one um, maybe they just should have kept quiet and hired whoever they could hire this is not a good coaching job only someone is egotistical an egomaniacal as Peyton would take this job and say publicly, although we have both agreed he doesn't believe it privately, that this should be a playoff team, right. that this is a playoff caliber team. That's that's not Peyton's assessment. Of this team, it's that he, that's can't, he can't say we need ego. to rebuild. No, I can get them to the playoffs. Ego talking. I'll coach them out of this, and they won five games last year. Four with a coach who had no idea what he was doing. This is in Peyton's mind. So, that's the baseline, and all I have to do is figure out a way to win four or five more. Well, I can look at nine games last year that they lost by one score and say, I could have won half those games, four or five, mm-hmm. right? That's what your ego would tell That's you. That's yeah. what his ego Of course, your ego says. would also say you should have beat the Raiders, you should have beat the Commanders. Ego, but this guy is all ego. He's all ego. Uh, you know, you, you, what's the expression, uh, all hat and no cattle? Right. That's Sean Payton. Oh, hat, no cattle. Just a, a, a man with a small man's inferiority complex. And I don't mean little man. I mean small man. The small connotes character or absence thereof. Ooh, okay, yeah. Good to denote He's that one. He's a small man. But, but the, you're looking at man. the uh, situation here with the the Saints. Where they Look, they, they won the Super Bowl. You can't take that away. He was the head coach, sure. But I think like many... 
times in which we see this. Uh, the pairing is good. The pairing between coach and quarterback was good. We often find, for the most part, when the quarterback leaves, the coach has a very difficult time representing uh, replicating that success, for the most part. And you can go no further than Bill Belichick, post-Tom Brady. Losing record. And this may be it for Belichick. This might be, Could be. the end Could for be. Belichick. I, I, think, I, I think with Belichick, and honestly, I think it might be the case here if these owners have common sense. What you do if you're the Broncos, and it may have to wait until the end of the season. Obviously, you can't do it during the year. The San Francisco 49ers have the best organization, with the possible exception of Kansas City, in all of the NFL mm-hmm. at the present time. And there are not just two men, but three men who are primarily responsible for that. Kyle Shanahan is the coach of the year. Uh, John Lynch might be the executive of the year, but just as important, in my opinion, and it's one Rick Perea shares. Rick mm-hmm. will be joining us inside of the next 45 minutes. I think a minutes. lot of people in town believe that. Adam Peters. Peters, exactly. Is not only someone the Broncos need to hire, they need to empower him and tell Sean Payton, whatever we're paying you, we're paying you to coach. Good luck with that. That's it. That's it. If you don't like it, we'll quit. buy you or that, out. Right. Keep in mind, Sean Payton reportedly, behind only Belichick, is the second highest paid coach, not just in the NFL, not just period, in all of American sports. That's it. So on the bright side, I guess there's no salary cap for coaches. I guess if you really wanted to just eat that money and move away, the owners could, and they certainly have the wherewithal to do so. Buy them out. But this Buy is... that There's, there's a, a situation that I think is fascinating that we've seen before in Denver sports that may be a corollary and might be a possible ending. And here we are talking five games in to the Sean Payton era in Denver. But yeah, it is time to discuss it. And I'll give you a situation from another team in Denver that's had a similar circumstance. Tell you next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. We're only a couple segments in, and I can tell already that the one and only Danny Bailey, our uh, elite producer, had been working on the uh, playlist for today. I can tell that one already. Uh, we have a weird game in you know, which the Broncos' offense was better than the defense. Pardon me, it was worse than the offense, even worse than the defense. That's been hard to do all year. But it, it, mm-hmm. it leads me to another thought process you talked about with Sean Payton. And, and um, uh, I, I didn't like the hire from the day it happened. I didn't think he was the right guy. I didn't think he was the right person. No, you were all over that. And uh, it had to do with Sean Payton, the, the person, not the coach. Right. Who I think just has, a bad who I think has ability, and I think, yeah. but the the person himself, and you know, the statements he had made that the league is still after him, and sort of that paranoia and stuff. I just think, I thought it always. Made oh, him a bad that, that's yeah. That was 
that was a further indication. Right, a further you indication. Were on it. Oh, yeah. You were on it I much, yeah. much earlier than that. Didn't like that hire. Didn't want that hire. But And I think the year out of the game cost him. It, it didn't cost him any ego points, but it cost him he looks, because I think the game has passed him yep. by in the one year. He Amazing. thinks he's yes. outsmarting people when he's only doing dumb stuff like um, he did yesterday on that gadget play immediately after Sauce Gardner Leaves. had been left the game injured. And your first play is a conventional pass attacking the replacement the replacement for Sauce Instead, Gardner. Instead, you're going to do some but weird pitch to P.I. who pitches to Mims and fumbles. He does and... a gadget play because he was determined to run it and show that he was the smartest man in the room, which seems to be uh, pretty much a 24-7 endeavor on the part of Sean Payton. The situation that comes to mind already, and, and the differences are pretty stark, but they, they are there. Back in 1999, Jim Leland came to town after coaching the Florida Marlins. And successfully. Quite successfully after coaching the Pittsburgh Pirates. Quite successfully. Probably won a World Series. Yeah, hard to do much better. And uh, finishes the one year, 72 and 90. And he was kind of the Sean Payton of baseball managers at that time in 1999. In many right. ways, right? Everyone's he's, he's got to be he's a genius. He's the smartest one out. The right. difference is uh, Leland, in his own way, somewhat curmudgeonly. I don't think I don't think you're talking about the same ego as Payton, but both certainly were handed the keys and and with the organization saying it's all yours. You you fix it like you did the other place. It, it turned out to be a disaster for different reasons, because in Jim Leland's case. It was obvious to him, at least from the get-go, and he's not entirely wrong, that he was sold something of a bill of goods on the Colorado Rockies who were not good and not going to be good and were not just Jim Leland away from being championship caliber. That's what ownership thought at the time, that they were uh, a great manager away from being a 90-win team. The the kind of self-delusion that has been almost always practiced by Rockies ownership down through the years, uh, the decades. It's been 30 years now but, of, of, of self-delusion. But, they, yes, they deluded themselves into believing. And uh, a baseball man I like and respect, Bob Gebhardt, believe this too, that uh, and Bob Gebhardt and Don Baylor were at each other's throats by the end of Baylor's time here. Uh, Baylor thought he was poorly served by Gebhard. Gebhard was around the clubhouse all the time, which bugged Baylor, a former player who didn't think executives should be anywhere near the clubhouse. Anyway, they didn't get along. Gebhard fires Baylor, and that was one of those deals where if one went, both had to go. If one stayed, both had to stay. Uh, you know, It made no sense for ownership to pick one and fire the other, say, you stay. So Gabbard and Leland, who are actually pretty good friends, uh, there's the great story about the right-handed pitcher, and I believe his name was John Thompson. He was one of the many Mm -hmm. supposed... Thompson, not uh, Thompson, no P, Thompson, right, uh, for the Rockies. I believe that's Mm -hmm. right, yes. Uh, And Thompson was supposed to be one of several brilliant, young pitching The next prospects. wave. Where have we heard this? And right. this is in spring training. There are actually a lot of good Jim Leland 
stories. Not not all that make Leland look great, but this one is. I laugh when I think of it to this day. Leland and Gebhard are having dinner. I think in where do they train? Tucson, right at the time. Yeah, at the time, the old High Corbett Field back then. Yeah, and um, they're talking about the team, and Leland's. They get around at times. And Leland said that, 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 that this kid has no chance. Let me give you a frame this of reference. This kid has no. 1998, Thompson, at 24 years old, went 8-11 yeah. and 11 for the Rockies. Right. A 4.81 ERA, very bad, but pre-humidor, right? Right. Uh, and uh, a 2-to-1 walk-to-strikeout uh, walk ratio. Yeah. So, I mean, the, everything yeah. looked at least for the well, Rockies, 8-11 and 11 that's, seems that's, pretty promising, right? Gebhardt, who was a pitcher and fancied himself, and I, I think for the most part justifiably so, as being very knowledgeable about pitchers and pitching. Um, Leland tells him it, this guy can't cut it. And I don't know if he was referring to psychological shortcomings, uh, physical problems, problems with delivery. Exactly what he was referring to, I'm not sure. This guy can't cut it. And Gebhardt's response was, If that's true, we're effed. Well. And it was true, and they were. He finished to the tune of 1-10 in 99 with an 8.04 ERA, 34 strikeouts to 36 walks. Yes, and I think that was part of what Leland was saying. The guy can't can't keep the ball on the field. He's throwing the ball against the bat. The backstop is the only thing that's stopping his pitches. Uh, I mean, every pitch is a wild pitch. He, can't, he has no control. Now, I, I don't think he had steep blast disease. No. I, I just in fact, think amazingly, he was a young he, guy. He played all the way till 2007 not, at the who, age of 33 when he not finished developed. with the Royals. Well, he always could throw hard. And, you know, you tend to stick with guys who, who can throw hard uh, a little bit longer. But, no, he, he, he Leland was right, and so was Gebhardt, that the Rockies were effed if – Thompson was not part of the rotation, and Mimi even, you know, if not the ace of the staff, then at least an upper half of the rotation. And in the end, Leland and the Rockies got together and more or less decided this isn't going to work. Leland quit on the Rockies. But before he actually left. Mm -hmm. And again, his position in, in later years was that he'd, he did quit, did a bad job here, all that. He admitted years later, something I don't think Sean Payton would Patrick have Saunders back in 2017, back in the had a chance to talk to him at the Denver Post, and he said, I tried and tried and tried, yeah, but I just wasn't a good fit. Now I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm kind of tired of apologizing for that. You yeah, know, yeah. Well, he him. apologized a lot, <laughs> yeah. and, and he didn't have to apologize come 2017. He'd already apologized But he realized enough, it wasn't a good but, fit. But he also didn't like, the way his coaches were treated, and I'm, I'm thinking because I knew Rich Donnelly, one of his coaches, very well, and Rich Donnelly uh, and I always got along uh, until one night I said that Jim Leland quit on the team. This was in late August, and he had, although he was still officially the manager. And Rich Donnelly was one of those guys who listened to everything, and he wasn't very pleased that I said that. Uh, but he had he had quit on the. 
team. But a lot of it did have to do with uh, one Columbine because he didn't want to move his family out here after mm-hmm. that. And then, uh, secondly, he didn't think his coaches were being paid adequately, among them Rich Donnelly, actually. And I think that was Rich Donnelly's point to me, that if you want to get on somebody, don't get on Jim, get on ownership for not living up to what they promised. Now, they, they're, they're not, they, they sold us a bill of goods, and, and they're not paying us. I don't know for major league baseball coaches. If the Broncos necessarily sold Sean Payton a bill of goods, I don't suspect that they did. Sean Payton. I don't think so. Certainly enough of a football expert to look at this roster and know that it wasn't all that good and understand that they were hamstrung by the cap and a lack of picks. So Sean Payton knew what he was getting into. There's certainly no question that he hasn't been, they haven't been paying enough. Told you about Payton's salary alone, second highest in all of American (laughs) sports. So there's no and question I assume about that. Assistant coaches are adequately compensated. Uh, at least well enough, they're not quitting in mass. So yeah, I guess so. But the question is: Does Sean Payton's ego ever reach the point that Jim Leland's had? And remember, Jim. Leland, oh, it, I, I think it's going. Jim Leland that. did not ever. Well, no, but I mean, it, it, I mean on the go, on the good side, because Jim Leland did manage again, but not until 2006. Took time and away. Did a nice job in Detroit, though he, he never did. won a World but Series. They, they he did had go to the in a World Series. Yep, two two pennants. Right, and but w- that is because Leland decided, I, you know what, this isn't a fit for me. It's not going to work. I'm yeah. going to leave, and then he took some time off for reentering managing. Right. Does Sean Payton have it in him to go? This is not a good fit for me for various reasons, or does his ego let him simply say, I? I can fix it. I can fix it. I can do it. Everyone's just not doing enough for me. Because that's what it sounds like thus far. It is what it sounds like. And, no, he's not going to quit, and they're not going to fire him. What I am suggesting, though, is what is being suggested Mm -hmm. in New England regarding Belichick, that you bring in someone from outside the organization to run the team. And then Belichick you tell the coach, is his own general manager, and you say, "Like it or don't, this is what coach, we pay you for." You're you're here to coach, but we had every chance to draft a quarterback, Brady's successor, and you haven't hit on any of them. Yeah, the, the benchmark that would be zero. The last two weeks, that would be zero. And the only reason that Mac Jones is not benched in a circumstance in which in about 30 to 31 other places he would be is because his backup, Zappi, is no better than he is. Right. Nor was he. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's stuff. And he's had a chance the last two weeks to play, and he's been just as bad. I mean, and remember, it's been almost a decade. I mean, it was 2014 when the Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. Correct. So, I mean, it's been a while that they've been at it. But in Sean Payton's case, look, I, I think your argument is the right one. Because he's not getting fired. He's not quitting. No. But if you do say you grab Adam Peters and say he's running the, the, he is running the football side, the you're the head coach. Football you side. Don't, you're you very coach. well compensated. In fact, essentially, you could argue we're maybe giving you a raise. We're asking you to do yeah. less stuff and, and giving you the same money. Right. And if you don't like it, then you can quit. You can leave. Or we'll figure a buyout. Yeah. That's probably the right choice. And it may be the only thing that the Broncos can do because now they are stuck in a very, very bad spot. And you remember when both of us 
agreed that Deion Sanders had hired a better coaching staff than yes, Sean Payton had hired, and that was in a sense confirmed in the Seth Wickersham piece on ESPN.com uh, several weeks ago when it was reported that at least two of Peyton's former colleagues in New Orleans turned down his invitation to come to Denver with him. Right. Said they didn't want to work for him, uh, that the hours were too much, and they probably were smarter or at least less egotistical than Sean Peyton, believing I'm not going out there and work until 3 in the morning for a team that stinks. Just that so I could come up with some weird re right. reverse when their right. best defender's exactly. out of the game? Right, yeah. right. And I, I stayed I, up all night I'm for not that. Gonna, I'm not going to do that. So I think it has been well established that the coaching staff in Boulder is stronger than the coaching staff here. And I think there have to be changes. Uh, neither of us ever really understood the hiring of Vance Joseph no. as defensive coordinator. And again, it's not all on Vance Joseph, but this was a defense that, though overrated, was still probably, in all fairness, an upper half of the NFL defense. And now it's not only at the bottom of the league this year, it's an historically Historic bad defense account. and continues to be all of that, understanding that the defense did not give up all 31 points yesterday at the stadium. Right. Well, you know, we know who did give up one of those touchdowns. Uh, Sean Payton started that beep, 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 beep. You know, the sound buses make when they're about to run over people. He started that on Russell Wilson already. We'll Publicly. see what that means next for Wilson on the Broncos on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Russell Wilson's season has been a study in contrast. At moment, looks pretty good. At moment, looks decisive when he runs, decisive with the balls, and then for stretches of times, looks terrible with it. The numbers bear that out. His passer rating is is quite good. His QBR is terrible. Yes. His expected. Points added as of today is ninth in the league. So I mean, based on what you want to find, you'll see some of it. But uh, but uh, I guess I'll I'll say this. I looked at the all twenty two this morning. I wanted to look at that because I wanted to see a little bit closer. Wilson was holding onto the ball for a long time, and I am not absolving him of that. Certain th throws he he needed to make, and even if they were low percentages of completion, you have to let go of the ball. But unless you were either at the game or looking at the coach's film, you would not notice if you watched it on television that the Broncos receivers were getting no separation, not just whoever Sauce Gardner was covering. Nobody, not tight ends, not wide receivers, not Cortland Sutton, well, not Jerry Judy, not Brandon Johnson, not nobody. They don't have any nobody. tight ends. I mean, any team that is playing Adam Troutman week after week after week 90 Sean Payton of the guy, time. by the way, that he talked about how he's At wanted for of some time, yeah. 
any team, and I mean any team, out of the 32 playing Adam Troutman at tight end for 90% of the snaps is by definition a loser. By definition. And I, I know that they've scored 121 points in five games. You know, I, I guess that there's a chance that over the course of a season, they might even score 400 points. I don't know. But all I'd look at, and it's far enough into the season to start looking at these things, to me, the three worst teams in football, Denver at minus 60, New England at minus 76, point differential, and the Giants at minus 91. Those are the three. Because, you know, whether one team's 1-4 and four or the other's 0-5 or actually the 0-5 team, the only 0-5 team is Carolina, minus 53, mm-hmm. which is not very good. It means you're getting beat by an average of more than 10 points per game. It, the Broncos are getting beaten by 12 points per game, but it and also they lost by 10 yesterday. Tells you why the uh, it, it's it's yeah. I mean, it's just quite remarkable to see how bad this has all been for the Broncos. That the offense gets. You're right. It's a total of points, but it's inconsistent. There's no. There's nothing in the second threat. half. And how much There's of this? Let's be honest. Is somewhat. Uh, Marvin Mims is the Broncos' leading receiver. Marvin Mims has run 43 routes correct this year. And he's caught four of the 30-plus air yard attempts and completions made by Wilson this year. I think he's got nine completions. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, or catches? Or, seven? Or, or no, no, I'm saying Wilson total is completions on passes six that for have 11. traveled at least 30 yards Six for 11 on the year for right. Wilson, yep. Four have gone to Mims. Right. Mims is your leading Ooh, receiver. The last two weeks seems to have butterfingers now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least on special McLaughlin teams. is your leading rusher. Yeah. Not, what a coincidence. They're the only two guys on your offense with speed. Well, yes. And McLaughlin plays 33% of the snaps yesterday, and Mims plays 32% of the snaps. Yesterday. That's your leading rusher and receiver. They're playing less than a third of the time. And They're your leaders in Sutton those yardage Judy categories. both played... 86% of the snaps. Brandon Johnson played 51% of the snaps. A lot more than Mims played. Brandon Johnson is at least averaging 15.3 per catch. Cortland Sutton is averaging 10.9. There's no production. The, the, the number of receptions isn't impressive. The number of... Touchdown passes caught isn't impressive for anybody. Uh, yards receiving, yards per catch, n- none of it's very impressive except for Mims. And, again, this coach is caught between his ego and any sensible person's assessment of what this team is capable of doing right now. So I honestly don't know what they'll do except get rid of veterans who have no attachment 
to Sean Payton. Well, let's and take that a look still at still most at one of, of the veterans on the offense and most of them. On Russell the Wilson uh, excoriated on the sideline after the, the fumble. Certainly. Yes. Wilson was blamed earlier this year by Payton for not getting Washington, getting, getting things fast enough. Um, blamed for a fumble in which they were up by three scores in game one against the Raiders, right? No, no. Washington. I'm sorry, Washington. Right. So that was almost yeah. it. <laughs> Washington. Washington. All he the got disasters it. He run got together. It three different ways. Right. Washington. And Washington. Yesterday, he got yelled at on the sidelines. So after the fumble, the uh, the great eye of Sauron here is fixed directly on Russell Wilson, and for Sean Payton to do what Sean Payton has done in the past, at least when he was at his time with the Saints. When things went wrong, it was not Sean Payton's fault. Even when it was Bounty Gate, it was not Sean Payton's fault until he ran out of people to chuck under the bus. Russell Wilson's an easy candidate because he had a bad year. And we, by the way, suspected that this might happen in the early going because once Payton decided to step in it and talk about Nathaniel Hackett having the worst coaching job in history or among it, uh, that was absolving Wilson, which means Wilson's absolved. So if the season that he has is bad, now it's Wilson's fault. Right. And that was always the other part that people didn't talk about, unless you were listening to this program. Yes. That what Peyton was saying. He was setting up Wilson to take all the responsibility for being poor if things didn't work out because he already well, said, well, Wilson would have been fine Aaron if it wasn't Rogers for was right. He was looking, this is Peyton, for a soft landing spot when the team went bad. Not if the team now, went Aaron bad. Aaron Rodgers says a lot of crazy went. stuff, but that wasn't one that of them. That wasn't one of them. He was right, and that that's that's where this Broncos team is at this point. So, uh, how long is it? And if you seem egotistical to Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rogers? <laughs> yikes! That's true. Whoa. That's that's a problem. It's a good point. Uh, how how many more starts does Russell Wilson have left for the Broncos until Peyton pulls it for Stidham? Is it this week? Oh 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 no 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 they they won't they won't make a change. Um, or is it worth I, it to I, just have Wilson I, I, continue I, to get run out there and well, listen, have they're, they're playing, one and a half seconds Thurs, of pass protection? They're, they're playing Thursday night in Kansas City. Oh, I know. They're not, I'm not saying they're, right they're now, gonna, they're but I'm saying after, but after the, the after the loss in Kansas City Thursday. No, I'm just I, 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 I think it'd come at the bye week if it comes. If it comes. And we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I don't put anything past Peyton and, and, and people with that. Favorable of you of themselves. That could make sense because you'll be lost twice to, to the Chiefs by then in the next three yeah, games. Yeah, and then maybe lose to Green might Bay. Might even here. lose to Green Bay. Why not? I mean, Green, Green Bay is better be than the, the other three teams three, they've lost uh, to at the home. Three teams they've, uh, four teams by that point that they played at home. Sure. That'd and the then uh, what up, key up Stidham for <laughs> Buffalo. I, I guess. Yeah. Good luck. Right. Good luck. Good luck with that. <laughs> it is a Monday. Of course, Buffalo may not have any players left on defense by then. There the is uh, going down. that risk as well. It is Monday. We take a look at our mental health on Mental Health Mondays, and that means it's time for our checkup from the neck up with our friend, Dr. Rick Priya. He will join us next on Miley Sports. 